All right, everybody, welcome back in. We are in episode 35, episode 35 of the Model Mindset. We are joined today by our good friend, uh, founder of Two Feet Four Good, Kevin Coughlin. Uh, Kev just finished up a 250-mile race uh, through Arizona um, for a great cause. We cannot wait to get into that and talk to you about that, Kev. But um, first and foremost, man, how are you, dude? How's, how's that Cali life? uh it's better than i thought it'd be i didn't know how much i was gonna like it but this part of california is is beautiful i mean we're up at like six thousand feet and there's like lake tahoe is enormous and it's just up that high in elevation it's crazy and all the mountains around surrounding the the lake are still snow covered and we're just out in like 70 degree weather it's crazy <laughs> And, and uh you doing any canoeing or anything uh no we haven't but the kids have been swimming in the lake which is insane to me but uh uh we've been doing yeah plenty of hiking a lot of the trails are pretty soggy with all the snow melt coming off but yeah we've been out you know exploring for sure pretty much every day yeah something yeah. so how long are you guys there for now? how long are you set up there for uh we were here about i think 10 days tomorrow we're heading up to oregon like bend bend oregon area yeah yeah okay yeah. Nice. Nice. Yep. So, Kev, can you kind of tell us um, and also our audience what made you start Two Feet for Good? Yeah. Um, it kind of went back to the first charity run I was invited on to. Uh, my buddy Noah Cass from uh, Summers, Connecticut, uh, was a Marine and um, got in touch with an old friend who was shot in 2005, I believe, in the Marines. and. Um, survived and uh, needs a lot of help and VA was uh, not helping out as much as he really needed it. So he wanted to raise some funds for him. So we set up a three day run from Summers, Connecticut up to Lake George, New York. And uh, we raised like $15,000 for him. And uh, by the time we got there, you know, we were all pretty exhausted physically, mentally, and emotionally. And to me, it was just amazing to see the whole town come out for uh, Eddie, who was the the other Marine we ran for. And uh, it just really, really touched me and I was super emotional and I just couldn't let go of that feeling. And uh, so my wife and I just decided to start Two Feet for Good and continue uh, raising funds for uh, families. And now we do it for families, mostly for medical bills, medical expenses, uh, equipment, anything like that. Yeah, so. That's awesome, man. So, so through that run, you found your meaningful mission, if you will. Yeah, I really think so. Yeah, I really think so. Because uh, since then, I've been able to do at least one big one every year for for a family or a child or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, kind of keep expanding our followers and supporters and, and, and things like that. Yeah, we want to help out as many as we can. It's cool because, you know, in the lifestyle that you guys have or you're on the road full time, like, it's got to be really cool to be able to like train all these different areas of the country and all these different yeah. like environments and that kind of stuff too. So it's almost like it's like goes hand in hand. And it kind of fits like a glove that that's kind of what you do for like you know, if you said BG, like your meaning and purpose, but also like your lifestyle fits so well too. Yeah. Um, you probably just saw a big smile come on my face because when you said that, like that was the, one of the coolest things uh, I, I even thought about before we even hit the road was just like, 
I'm going to get to run like in these mountains, like that, that I've just, you know, I'm just following people that get to do it all the time and see the videos and, and these races out, out West and through the mountains. I'm like, I'm going to get to, you know, at least run through those at some point. So it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so how long, how long ago did you guys start that two feet for good now? Uh, it's been, it it's about three years now. Yeah. It was about, uh, just before we, we hit the road is when, uh, it was official. Yeah. yeah. And so, so that, that kind of brought you, you know, you guys, like you said, you're doing some races, a big one, at least once a year. And I know you guys do a lot of cool things in between that as well. That brought you to, to where you were, you know, the last, you know, few weeks and, and with, your your training here for Arizona, so we want definitely want to get into this and talk about Arizona, talk yeah. about this race. We've been, we kind of follow closely throughout here, um, but first and foremost, it starts with the Kennedy family, and and uh, we'd love some background of the Kennedy family and kind of how your guys' relationship formed and um, kind of the whole process with with them in this whole race here. Yeah, um, so I didn't fully commit to the race up until probably a few months ago. Uh, I knew it was kind of lining up with our plans and that, that was kind of part of it. And I'd been training for it like I was going to do it. And then um, and then it kind of came to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going to make this happen. Everything's lined up. So I reached out to just uh, just our supporters and I said, hey, does anybody know, you know, I really like to capitalize on this opportunity. It's a race selfishly I really want to do, but I know we can help a family in the process. Um, so, uh, some other full-time families, you know, some other traveling families reached out and sent us the Kennedy family who we haven't been able to meet personally yet, but everybody that we, we have met has met them and has told us great stories about them. And, um, uh, after they had their fifth child last year, um, they found out the mother, uh, Nicole was diagnosed with, uh, stage four breast cancer and it had been started to spread already. So they're already obviously in the process of doing whatever they can to to save her, make her better, get her back to the family and those things. So we were just like, I reached out to them. They were happy to to have us uh, on board and share their their story and uh, raise raise some money for them. So that's how that went. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Because yeah. I know you guys did hit your goal, right? Yeah. Oh, way over. I, because it was so soon to the race. Yeah. Uh, I only put the goal at like $1,500. And then, uh, I think by the end it was, it's close to 4,000 that we're, we're sending them a check for. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So did they kind of, did they kind of, um, you know, follow along in the process where they reach out to TIFF at all or something like that while you, while you were out there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what was great about this race is there was a lot of parts where we had cell phone service and we're required to have our cell phone on, on us, you know, because we have to have a map stored in there so we don't get totally lost. And it was so cool to see people chiming in, you know, donating money. I'd get, you know, notifications of that. So the motivation just kept going. And yeah, the Kennedy family was, you know, constantly, anytime I post something was just like, oh man, this is, you know, this is amazing. We love you guys. This is you know, it's a blessing. So that was super motivational, which is, which helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I would imagine that helps. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And speaking of the, uh, the 250 miles, man, mm -hmm. really want to get into your training Yeah. because you said you trained for months. Yeah. So mm -hmm. can you kind of just walk us through 
that training looks like as far as how often you're running, the miles you're running, and then from a nutrition perspective? Because I think there's a lot of curious people out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so probably a good place to start is probably like maybe six months ago. That's when you kind of really start getting into it and maybe race-specific kind of training. Um, so I'm doing at, you know, six months ago, I'm just kind of up and from then up until the race was basically six to seven days a week of running. A lot of it, just a real easy pace. It's just time on your feet, mostly just, just got to keep going. And then, then, then as it gets a little closer, you start throwing in, you know, different kind of training. You're trying to get elevation. I, I was in Florida all winter. There wasn't a whole lot of elevation to get. So I, I, <laughs> I supplemented with a, a lot of strength training, you know, on my legs and stuff like that, you know, box jumps, squats, lunges, all that stuff. So, so my wife is good for that kind of stuff. So that helps. Um, and so at the, be yeah, at, at the beginning, you know, we're probably around 35, 40 miles a week, you know, really most of it easy pace. And then, uh, and then you start getting in up to like, uh, I think I was maybe around, 90 miles a week towards the last, you know, about a month out, you know, three to four weeks out. But in between there, there's a lot of uh, stuff like, because you're going to be running through the night as much as possible, you're going to be sleep deprived. So you set up like three days in a row where it's maybe a 25 mile run, you know, later in the afternoon, sleep three to four hours, get up 30 mile run and then rest all day. And then another get up the next morning early and for another like 20. So stuff like that is, is great because you're just like, God damn it. Again, I got to get out there again, but yeah, you got to get out there again. <laughs> and, and fueling, uh, fueling is something I'm good. Uh, um, so, so fueling for fueling for that, um, is I'm, that's something I'm still working on. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's something I'm just, I'm terrible at. I don't know, but I'd like to, most of my runs, I like to start off just fasted. I, I don't, if I'm up early for a run, I just like to go, you know, I'll bring water maybe with some electrolytes in it, but I like to just get out and go. I don't like to spend a lot of time making coffee or, or having, you know, a bagel or something like that. And then maybe I'll throw like a gel or a banana in, in my pack or whatever, but then I'll come back and refuel totally and, and try and get some rest or some stretching in. Uh, stretching is, is something that I definitely did a lot of for this and something I hadn't done in the past. So just trying to keep the hips, knees, ankles, and all those things loose because they, they tighten up quick. So, yeah. And then. So with, with that training, because that is intense training, what is more challenging training the body or training your mind? Uh, like you said sleep deprived. Yeah. That's, that's, that's challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. The mental part I've pretty much, yeah, I don't have to do it so much anymore. Uh, but the first couple like 24 hour races I did, it was, it was mostly, it was a lot of just mental training. We would just go, me and a couple guys would go to like a local track and just run loops around a track for like six hours in the middle of the night. So that was like barely any, you know, it was maybe we'd get like 30 miles in in six hours or something. But it was just to train your train your minds, you know, just mentally, like through the night, trying to stay up yeah. and try and keep yourself moving for for no real apparent reason at the time. But uh, I guess so. Yeah. So now yeah. now it's just kind of both. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that I mean, first of all, that's amazing how you can really callous your mind like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because you're pushing your body. And I think a lot of people too will hear that and be like, this dude is insane. <laughs> but I think what, but if I, if I can kind of like put it into perspective and things, you almost are like letting your mind wander through these races, right? It's almost like therapy for you. You're doing it for a purpose. Yeah. So I'm sure like all of these things are going through your mind at, you know, various stages of either the race and the training of like why you're doing it for, um, which is probably helping you push past those tough times, those tough moments, yeah. you know, that three hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, crazy. Yeah. Like the, I guess the, the hardest part the mental part is like the first, like maybe handful of miles, like you're just like tired. You just got up. And then the last, you know, handful of miles at the end, we're just like, just, just want it to be over, you know, on those, on those tough training runs. But in between, yeah, you just, my, I, I don't generally listen to music and my wife thinks I'm insane for not, but I don't listen to music or anything while I'm running occasionally if it's a tough day, but uh, yeah, I just it let my mind wander and, you know, problem solve or, or whatever, just, yeah. just let it go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when it came to this race now, so the, the challenges of, of training for it are one thing, but when you're in the thick of it, <laughs> so again, it was 250 miles. I'm, I'm sure various terrain. Yeah. Um, what challenges did you encounter here? Like, did you encounter challenges early? You know what I mean? Like, did the ones that you encountered early differ from the ones you encountered late? I'm sure that's the case. Like, so what are some of the things, man, you came across in these 250 miles? Yeah. Um... Did you wipe your ass? <laughs> <laughs> Early was is is a good way to put it because you know, like I said, training in Florida where it's sea level and there's nowhere to get some elevation. So when you start, I don't know what the elevation we started at, but that first the first thirty seven miles is exposed sun, you know, desert, and you're doing I think it was like ten thousand feet of climbing in that first thirty seven miles. So it is slow it's hot and you're up in good elevation. So, uh, you know, it, it does, it does affect you, you know, for sure. Um, you know, coming from, you know, being sea level. Um, and then, so it was just like the first day was great though, because there's just so many people around, everybody's kind of excited and, and nervous and, and anxious. So you just kind of like whoever you run up next to or whoever's coming up next to you will kind of like talk and, if you guys are going at the same pace in that time, you just kind of chill together and, and talk and meet some new people. The first day was great for that, you know, and, and you kind of get through those for it is, it's the toughest part of the, the race for sure. Um, there's, you have to carry four liters of water, uh, mandatory. So you got this big, heavy pack on, you got all kinds of like food with you and, and four liters of water. So it's heavy, it's slow, it's hot, and it's a lot of climbing. There's so many just loose rocks. So, you know, it just, it was, it was tough. It was a tough first day, but, yeah. um, like I said, the people around you was, it just helped you through it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how, how does your body adjust like, as the race goes on? Like, do you, do you encounter, like, I'm sure you encounter some kind of inflammation when you stop, <laughs> depending on how long you stop for and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And if I'm feeling good when you're coming into an aid stations after that first day, there's aid stations pretty regularly that first one was pretty remote uh there wasn't a whole lot out there but once you get to that first 
eight good aid station at mile 37. Um, so I just, I took my shoes off. I had, a, I think I had a fresh pair of socks cause we had drop bags. So you can have set up a bag and they'll put it out to that aid station for you. When you get there, you can put more fuel in your, in your pack. They have, they're cooking burgers, uh, all kinds of drinks, food, all that stuff. And then whatever else you want. So I put a fresh pair of socks in there. Um, because we went, we had to go through some water. So our feet were getting wet, you know, people had blisters and stuff like that. Uh, but if you're feeling good, uh, I try and keep moving. I try and just grab my stuff and, and, and go. Cause then you're, then you're forced to the next aid station. You can hang around there all day. It's a, it's a great place to hang out. Everybody's trying to help you. It's, it's wonderful, but, uh, you, you just try and keep moving right. if you can. Yeah. 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 How were your feet holding up? Cause you mentioned blisters and. Were your feet okay? Yeah, by the end, I probably had maybe like four or five small blisters, which is pretty pretty mild from what what some people had out there. I just you just pop them, tape them up, put a sock on, and keep going. But it was so dry; it's so dry out there that if you run, if you go across the river, your shoes, socks, and feet are pretty dry pretty quickly. And then you know you lube them up with some Aquaphor or something like that if you're having some issues. But yeah, just keep tape them up and, and go if you can. Interesting. Yeah. So how do like your knees, lower back, like <laughs> ankles and stuff feel after like a long day? Like, does it like does starting that next day after a long day, like on your joints, like does that first few miles <laughs> feel like you're gonna fucking die? <laughs> yeah, but if you've done it a couple of times, you kind of you kind of know that. So that that was that was something that I was just expecting. It really is like if you sit down at an aid station for maybe five minutes, everything is just kind of like locked up again and then it's just like all right it's going to take me another 10 15 minutes to get the joints lubed up and and start going again um but yeah but i mean by it wasn't till like the end where i'm like my back and shoulders were sore just from carrying that the damn pack the whole time and i didn't really have so you can have crew also where, where they just have like a van and they go to every aid station and meet you there with even more stuff you know what i mean so I knew I had the wife, my wife and kids, but they were just going to come meet me at a couple of places to say hi, cheer me on and keep me going. Um, so I had to carry all my stuff. Like we went from the first day, it was, you know, probably in the eighties starting off, you know, with that first climb. And then where I slept, there's snow, there's snow banks. So at that, at that aid station at night, I don't know, it was like mile, like 63 is where I slept the first night. So I was freezing, like freezing gloves, hat jacket freezing it was cold up there <laughs> yeah. sleep well that night or no i'm gonna guess no <laughs> uh this one was like an indoor one it didn't have like some of them had like cots and heated rooms this one was just kind of like like a, a hall almost but it had like a, a love seat it was dirty and like a dirty blanket and i just curled up on there for like maybe two three hours and passed right out got up and ate some more food and kept going wow yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> you only took a two hour, two to three hour nap, basically. Yeah. Nap. Yeah. Pop back up. What time did you I th- run it again? I think I fell asleep. It was probably around one thirty that night. So then I got up. You know, I think it was probably two hours, two and a half hours later, and and got going because I knew I like stopping at that time because I know when I wake up a couple hours later that the sun's gonna be coming up soon, and that is like so rejuvenating like it's just like oh man it, it's so refreshing it's like a new day i'm this much closer um a lot of people don't even sleep that that first night and the guys at the front of the pack 
they only sleep maybe a couple hours throughout the whole thing. Maybe. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So how many times were you logging each day? Uh, like, did you split it up to where it's like you had an ideal number that you were trying to hit each day? Uh, at the beginning, but then I was like, after that first climb and that slow day, I was like, well, this plan is out the window. Let's go to the next plan. The next plan was basically, <laughs> <laughs> the next plan was basically just get to a good aid station, you know, before sunset and then get refueled, uh, take a quick rest and then get to one more aid station. Because I like, like I said, I like going to bed, uh, or taking a nap after, you know, midnight sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so what is that, man? Like, I'm sure you got some wild stories here. All right. So, give, give us something that kind of happened on the race that, you know, would be as an outsider looking at, like, what the fuck was going on? <laughs> yeah. I guess there's probably a lot of those, but being like kind of in this world that is just like a lot of it is just normal for these kind of events. But, uh, I, I don't want to go too far into it because it's another guy's story that, I met this guy, Justin, on the first day. Awesome guy. He just happened to be from Florida, too. And I think that's kind of how we started talking. And um, and then I ran into him, like, the next day, just passing at an aid station, maybe. And then it was, like, the third night. Um, I was a little – there was a – we were at this aid station in Sedona, I think. And my family had left. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, one more aid station. I wanted to get to the next one. It was, like, Walnut. It was, like, maybe 17 miles. But I knew we had to cross, like, a really deep – cold river and uh and then there was a big steep climb and like i said the sun was setting so i knew it was going to get cold and then really cold at the top it's exposed and uh really high elevation so he's like um he comes back in the aid station and he's like you know my sister saw you and you're thinking about going he's like i want to go he's like i can't sleep and i said okay let's you know let's go together at least so it was like seven miles to the river crossing. And I'm like, I'm taking my socks and shoes off because I'm really nervous about, um, you know, when you're doing something like that, my body and probably a lot of people, it, it has a hard time regulating heat, its temperature. And so it's really slow at doing that. So I was really concerned because I, I've had issues in the past. Like if my feet get cold, I'm worried then that I'm not going to get them warm again. And I know we're going up high and it's going to be cold up there. So I'm like, I'm going to take my socks and shoes off. It's warm down here. At least I can put on socks and shoes that are dry and then hike up. And he's like, okay, I'll do the same. So I get across fine. Um, He's coming across and just takes a spill um, up to his neck. Everything is wet. Everything he wanted to keep dry is, is wet. And uh, so we get across and he, yeah, he's in, he's in great spirits. So um, he's, he's, Probably better than I was because I, I might have just turned around and said, I'm going to go back to the aid station and, and just wait it out. He's like, let, you know, let's just see. He, so he grabs an emergency blanket, which we were also required to carry. And he's kind of like trying to figure out how to put it on to keep himself warm because he had to take his shirt was a lot. We had he already had jackets on. It was getting cool. And that was soaked. So he takes that off yeah. his puffy coat. They had wrapped around his waist is, is soaked. Um, and he had one cotton t-shirt that he had planned to dry himself on in his pack. And that was still like half dry. So I'm like, dude, just cut a hole in your emergency blanket, put it on like a poncho and put your t-shirt over the top. And he's like, all right, sweet. So he puts that on and <laughs> it's coming out the bottom and it's looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's got like a sequence skirt on. So 
I'm, I'm making jokes and he, he's received, he's, ta- he's taking them well just to, just to kind of feel him out and see how he's feeling. And, uh, he, it kept him warm. He was, he was great. Um, you know, a little frustrated, whatever we get over it. And then we're like, just let's hit the climb. So we're hitting the climb. We're going up. And for these kind of like races, we, we, we had, everybody has trekking poles. It keeps a lot of pressure off your legs, saves them. And then with the climbs, it can really pull yourself up or, or climbing down stuff to, to help yourself down. So he snapped the pole climbing up that thing. So again, he's, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, so picture right now the dude fell in water yeah and it, it was by this time it's pitch black and um it was still kind of it, the temperature was okay so it wasn't affecting anybody at the time but we're starting to get really warm on this climb up which is, is probably good for him is keeping his temperature uh in a good place and then yeah just snaps a pole uh on this real steep climb up so he's frustrated and um but you know we're just like this is just the way it is you know just just part of it so we keep climbing up we keep climbing up and then we're getting really high elevation and um i'm kind of like i don't know if i'm like overheating or whatever i'm like i gotta just sit for a minute i gotta bring my heart rate down because i'm having a hard time you know i'm just taking shallow breaths so it's really tough with the elevation so i found a rock i just sit down and he's like yeah good call we'll just we'll just sit for a few and relax and we can see headlamps of a couple uh runners up in front of us and we're like it's still a long ways just up and up so we rest for a few and then we stand up and i'm like yeah damn it i sat in a cactus so uh, we're no starting way. to <laughs> yeah right on right on it i just didn't care i just wanted to sit and i sat on one and uh so we're pulling the spines out of my left ass cheek and then uh we're like <laughs> And, and Justin's just a nice guy and he's probably a little out of it. He starts pulling them out of my ass cheek. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, so we just, then we're like, all right, let's keep moving. And, uh, we kept moving. And then it's probably like another two, three miles up at the top. And, uh, marking, the trail markings are a little tough in the dark up there. It's so, it's really secluded up there. So it was hard for them to get somebody up there to, to really mark it well. And, and it's pitch black. So our headlamps are just, we're just scanning go to the next marker, scan in next marker. And, uh, at the top, they find they had a water station for us. So it was just, just a little table with a bunch of water jugs to refill, uh, what we had on us. And then it's another maybe five or six miles to the next aid station. So we get up there, we sit for a few, but it's, it's cold and windy up there. And then, uh, so we didn't want to sit long. He's starting to get really cold. So he grabs another emergency blanket and stuffs it through his shirt to cover and cover his arms. And at this point, we're both in a really, really like low spot. We're just like, uh, you know, second guessing, maybe going, you know, to that next aid station or, or pushing it. And we're just really tired. So we didn't even talk. We're just like, just like hiking next to each other, but no words are being said for, for a couple hours. And, um, so we refuel and, uh, get some water and, and then keep moving. And these clouds just come over the top and it starts like, hail and sleet rain and just like wind and freezing there was just it was so miserable so miserable and then uh what's that that sounds brutal it was man it was that was like that was probably might have been like the worst that was probably the worst like night for us yeah like in at that like being that in that low point it's just like it was tough to get through but i mean you don't have a choice you just have to go so you don't you just nobody talks you just go 
and it's a death march until you get there. And both of us were just like, we already knew that's where we were going to sleep anyway. So he had a, a van with his sister and father in it. So he just climbed in the van and, and went to sleep. And luckily this one had like a tent, but it was outside and uh, with a cot in it and a couple blankets. So I just kind of curled up there for, for a couple hours and ate a bunch of food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's part of it. Yes, sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, no, I think like part of my uh, issue or on this race, because I'd never done anything like this, was I think I wasn't fueling up enough uh, throughout the day. And that kind of, um, you know, by the end of the day, I was just so tired and so underfueled and I just burned through more calories, way more cal calories than I'd taken in. So it was just like all of that comes crashing down in the last few hours for me. And I think that was part of my issue every night, you know. Did these ultras take into account, uh, like vegans and plant oh, yeah. eaters? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Almost all the aid stations where they were cooking and stuff. Yep, definitely had like vegan options. Yeah, so there's a lot of like, a lot of like wraps or like bean wraps, avocado and hummus wraps, and and those kind of things. Yeah. Oh, oh, they did do, do, do a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Tons well, of food. Like your go -to? Do you have like a um? Like I'm sure every race is different all that, but like when you're stopping and fueling up, are you just so hungry that you're just down for anything, or are there certain things that you go after? Uh, yeah, most of the times it, it's pretty pretty much the same. It's like a uh, like potato chips always sound good. It's like it's like carbs, salt, and then it's like whatever they have for like candy. I'm stealing pockets full of candy, and then it's usually like a couple. Uh, it's usually like ginger ale. Or a Coca-Cola, um, I take a couple cups of that. Uh, ginger ale, you know, ginger kind of settles your stomach, and it can keep you, you know, from getting an upset stomach out there after you know you just ran a bunch, threw a bunch of food down your stomach, and then trying to run again. Yeah. So that kind of helps the caffeine from from a Coca-Cola stuff like that. Yeah, I like some, like a little bit of variety, but nothing crazy. A lot of times I like peanut yeah. butter and jellies, but then every once in a while. You, one will be cooking up like mean cheeseburgers and I'll throw a couple of those down too. <laughs> Do you ever like focus on like not overeating though? Like I feel like I would stop and just like stuff my face when I'm so hungry and then not want to go back out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that that has happened. I mean, you're the furnace is burning so hot and can, you know, continuously that whatever you throw in there is just getting, it's just getting burned up, man. It, it'd be tough. It'd be Got tough. To, I think to, to really stuff yourself. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. And so, Kev, I feel like every race you do, you learn something new about yourself. With this race, was there something new that you learned about yourself? Yeah, that uh, 250 miles isn't isn't on my limit yet, for sure. No shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing that was really cool about this race was, um, uh, compared to other like 24 hour runs where I'm trying to get like a hundred miles. in, so I have a pace set, like pretty much start to finish of what I have to keep to keep it going. And, uh, for this, it was like so slow paced of what I was going that, um, I was really able to process the race kind of as it was happening rather than after. Um, so and I just, I was really able to enjoy the whole thing. I mean, I would have those low points 
you know, every night where it was tough, but there wasn't a point where I was like, I don't want to be out here. I, I'm not going to finish. It was, I was always really positive, I guess, just in my mind, it, you know, in the back of my mind, it never came up front where it was like, I'm not going to finish. I, I just want to quit. Um, because I think it was just like that slower pace like that. Yeah. So that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's optimism right there, which uh, we just actually released our optimism episode plug. <laughs> so that is awesome. Yeah, man. What would be the next step, uh, like above 250? Like, is it 300? Do you have like maybe something in the back of your mind that you're going to be shooting for within maybe the next like year, year and a half? Did you talk to my wife or something? <laughs> no um i don't have anything uh like planned right now but this kind of like a race like this is more of a like um uh like a like a fast pack and fast packing is like almost like a different sport it's where you know guys will like do the whole appalachian trail and you know it's just like get as far as you can that day sleep go the uh, whatever distance you can the next day and just crank it out rather than you know, like some people just take a summer off and do the whole Appalachian Trail as enjoyment. These people are like fast packers, like crank them out. Somebody's meeting you there, ways to sleep, bunch more food, fuel, and then keep going. So this is kind of like the bridge in between like, you know, ultra running where you, you can, people just have no problem running 100 miles at a really quick pace. This running up and down mountains, nobody can run the whole thing. It, there is points where you have to hike. And for us, like me being in like the middle or whatever, uh, the pack, it was more of just like a, like a, that fast pack thing where it's just like, you know, you're out there for four days. Dude, that's amazing. I've never been able to just hike for four days like that in, a, in an awesome place up and down mountains and incredible views and, and all that stuff. So it opened my eyes to that kind of world. And that seems super cool. But, um, yeah, my wife and I talked about you know, a couple other things after, uh, you know, within the next maybe couple of years, that would be um, uh, pretty long and fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it makes me kind of want to do an ultra, but I yeah, mean, that's, no, that's long. I'm good, man. I just worry about, <laughs> about the chafing, you know what I mean? And the, the crotch rock. <laughs> Kev, you know, I got to say, man, you are truly an inspiration, man. The way that you have uh, taken life by the balls, if you will. Uh, you and Tiffany, you've started this Two Feet for Good, which is truly meaningful to you. It has purpose with doing uh, it's for a great a great cause and, and for to help families and stuff. So first and foremost, man, we just want to say thank you for being an inspiration and doing what you're doing and keep doing what you're doing man it's it's truly amazing yeah i appreciate it um one thing one last thing i will say about that race was the last day um and me and justin just kind of stuck together um on day four we kind of separated here and there but we knew we'd meet up at day four night and we just kind of wanted to finish the race together because we went through we went through a lot together um so the <laughs> fifth the, that fifth day um Tiffany actually drove out to meet us at that aid station we slept at and you can have a pacer. Uh, pacer is just somebody that keep fresh mind, fresh legs just to keep you moving. Um, so she came, she did the last 22 miles with us and brought us up and over Mount El Yeah. Mount Eldon and, 
uh, absolutely crushed it. So it was awesome to have her out there and to keep us moving. And, you know, she's, she's, she's not going to let me, me sit. So it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was super cool. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't, this was a, a killer climb they put at the end of it. It's up and over, uh, the biggest like mountain flag right in Flagstaff is, I think it's almost up at 10,000 feet. Um, so it was, it was a doozy for sure. And it was cold and windy up there. I mean, we all had, we had like snow jackets on and gloves and stuff up there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. And, and, and dude, I'm sure that was inspiring too. And heartfelt that you had that support there too. And that I'm sure it'll keep you going too, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, that, I, I have the easy part when it comes to that part. Like she has to stay home with the kids and make sure dinner's ready. School's done, all that stuff. And she doesn't bother me with, with all the little things going on. You know, she knows I'm, I'm out there. She pretty much leaves me alone, gives me encouragement, sends me messages. But, um, I just, you know, compared to her, I have the easy part. I just, I get to run around and, and explore and, and have some fun. Yeah. It takes, it takes a village as they say, man. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys got a hell of a village there. So keep <laughs> yeah. it up. Uh, we, we love, we love talking to you, man. We're looking forward to our next conversation. Make sure you guys follow Kev, uh, at two feet more good, follow what they're doing. It's incredible. Um, we, we can't talk it up enough. Um, and, and we can't wait to do this again, man. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys. Um, and you guys keep it up. Uh, you guys are already on 35 episodes. That's awesome. You guys are killing it. Uh, I love what you're doing. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thanks, man. And I'm All sure right. a future partnership for another collaboration is on the uh, yeah. future. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll take nothing less than 250 miles, though. It's got to be <laughs> All right. You, you, John can be my pacer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hard pass. All right. <laughs> All right, Jeff. We'll talk to you, man. Thanks. Guys. All right, guys. Bye. See you later.